Tonight, games journalist Ian Miles Chong is with us to discuss how the establishment media will stop at nothing to de-platform and slander their independent competitors. I'm Roaming Millennial, and you're watching Uncensored. Hey, Ian, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, I'm happy to be here. So you talk about entertainment media and something we talk about this show on a lot, the way that it intersects with things like politics and culture. So in that realm, I think the biggest story right now, what everyone's talking about is PewDiePie, the biggest YouTuber on the planet. Um, he's coming under fire for what I think are pretty ridiculous reasons, but for people who maybe haven't been keeping up with the situation, why don't you tell us about it? Sure. So he's the biggest YouTuber on the planet, R literally 76 million subscribers, and it's growing because he's fighting T-Series. That's another thing that's blowing up. Um, if you don't know who he is, he used to do gaming YouTube, right? He, he'd play a video game, uh, do his expressions, scream on them. But then more recently, he has been delving into memes and culture. And uh, he came under fire, I think, uh, a couple of years ago when he uh, he was taking some other YouTubers to task with Fiverr. Fiverr is a service that you can use to uh, basically pay anybody to do something right and so people would pay these kids in India and tell them to say terrible things so he thought of the worst possible thing that you can say which is kill all Jews and the people who watched his videos they know he wasn't serious they know he's not a racist or anything he was just making a point but Wall Street Journal took it very seriously they wrote a hit piece on him and that hit piece went viral a whole bunch of other publications which don't like PewDiePie because he's competition to them for for video games they started writing articles about him and basically tried to paint him as an anti-semite and then last year he accidentally um, said the n-word on a stream while he was playing a, a, a video game a PUBG it was a heated gaming moment that became a, a, a meme in, a, in and of itself because I said that and everybody wrote articles on that mm -hmm. and but he apologized for it. He apologized for both incidents. You know, he, he was like, okay, so I'm not a racist, but if you th you think I am and you're part of the media, he, uh, you know, he gave them the middle finger. <laughs> he's a good guy. You know, he's, he's based. He doesn't care. He's unapologetic. But he knows when he hurts people, he doesn't want to hurt people. He'll apologize for it. He's a good guy, right? Uh, so this year, now, um, he's still under fire because, you know, people are always after him, right? But he... He did a video where he was promoting, I think, 28 different YouTube channels, videos that he had watched, videos he enjoyed. And he said, hey, check this video out, check this channel out, maybe give them a subscriber, you know, become a subscriber. And one of the channels that he shouted out to uh, happened to have uh, problematic content. Like the guy does really dark satire where he'll put quotes of Hitler while he'll be reviewing uh, an anime, say, or maybe he reviews Steven Universe. He compares the Steven Universe to the Nazis. And so he puts a lot of Nazi imagery in there. And the media picked up on that. They watched that video all the way through. It's a pretty long video. So most people don't even go to the end. You know, it's a well-known fact that you, they watch about 55% of it. Right, but these guys. Off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so these guys, they want material on him. They, they thought, oh, maybe he's going to, you know, say something problematic or maybe he's going to uh, shout out an alt-right channel. And so he shouted out this channel. It's just a brief second. And they just wrote articles on it, just many, many, many articles. And, and so now there's this Vox piece saying uh, it, it delved into who he follows and who he talks to. I'm one of the people that he talks to. He talks to Lacey Green. He talks to Jordan Peterson. He follows all, us all on Twitter. And so they're saying he is a member of the alt-right or that he is associating with people who have been identified as alt-right. I'm not alt-right. I'm not a racist. I'm not a Nazi. I don't believe in all that stuff. 
and and neither are almost anyone else that they mentioned. I think everybody else that they mentioned, you know, he follows them because they're uh, interesting, like Ben Shapiro. How is Ben Shapiro alt-right? I mean, mm -hmm. the guy is, is, is Jewish. Right, and I, I saw that article as well, and what was interesting to me is that it seems like they are another example of mainstream media publications not understanding what alt-right is, right? They mentioned, like, Jordan yeah. Peterson in that. I mean, Lacey Green, who, if you know her, she she's on the left. You know, she's for social <laughs> she's on the justice. Left. She's progressive, right? I mean, you know, she's not yeah. going to block someone for having different opinions than her, uh, which I think is mm -hmm. great, but that doesn't make her alt-right. Now, no, as you doesn't. mentioned, this isn't the first time people have gone after PewDiePie. And when I look at this, it's it's frustrating to me because I've been subscribed to PewDiePie for a long time. I first started watching him. I think the first thing I ever saw from him was a walkthrough of uh, Telltale's The Walking Dead. Uh, so I feel like yeah. I'm one of those fans that knows him and knows he's not a racist. Like, I can be sure of that. Um, yep. It feels like anytime there's any sort of edgy joke or reference made, there's always that willingness to label someone, oh, you really believe this, you are a Nazi. Do you think that's, I guess, them being naive, that they really don't get no. the joke, that they really don't understand, or no, are they just I don't believe that. purposefully, yeah? They're being disingenuous. They're, they're being disingenuous. They, they do it on purpose for several reasons. First, they're losing relevance. They are clickbait websites. It, you know, BuzzFeed is requiring donations. The Guardian requires donations now. They're asking for donations because ad subscriptions are, you know, ad revenue is dying, right? They are, uh, and the only thing that brings them traffic is uh, uh, controversy. And, you know, if, if you talk to any of these journalists, if they're in the know about the revenue and you ask them questions like uh, uh, I asked one of them recently, why don't you guys do reviews on Polygon for virtual reality games? VR games are kicking off. Everybody loves VR games. They're, they're a big deal. And they said that the reason they don't do reviews so much, uh, unless it's a game like Red Dead Redemption 2, you know, like the biggest game right. of the year, if not the decade, is because those articles don't bring in enough traffic for them to justify having some guy on the staff play the game for like you know five days and and have him write a review it, it's a lot easier for them to just have people write about controversy you know like it's easy because it takes like 30 minutes you just watch some youtube video and if pewdiepie said something bad oh i guess he's a nazi i mean it's easy to type that up in about 30 minutes so do that every day you know like five of those pieces every single day and and boom you've got your revenue up but i mean this is why the mainstream media is dying, at least for, for video games or entertainment. People don't like this anymore. People share screenshots of their articles now. If you notice that on Twitter, mm -hmm. they'll share an archive, they'll share a screenshot, but they won't go to the site, and people use Adblock anyway. Yeah, people don't want to give them their like traffic and ad revenue, even if it's to just to make fun of them. And what's yeah. what I've noticed is that, you know, I follow these publications mainly for, for the lulls, frankly. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I saw the hit piece about PewDiePie and I go down in the comments and they, these people are getting ratioed, which if you're not on Twitter means that everyone's replying, kind of giving you crap. No one's liking it. Do you think this is yep. like, is this even working? Because it seems to me like Vox is pretty universally made fun of and almost reviled, right? doesn't matter. Even if you're on the yes. left, they are one of those examples of just ridiculousness. I mean, it's yeah. kind of a bold move for them to try to take on the biggest YouTuber who has a solid fan base, who likes them. Mm -hmm. I mean, are these hit pieces going to end up doing anything to PewDiePie or is this just them trying to start a fight with someone who's more popular, more loved, and I guess has a lot bigger of grassroots support than they do? I think it, it, it depends. I mean, they might start emailing advertisers, and that could be a problem. But from what I've seen, if you look at his uh, Twitter feed, he actually retweeted one of the companies that sponsors him. It's the uh, the chair, the one that mm -hmm. you know he likes to lean yeah, back his and say, one, yeah. but "Can it do this?" Yeah, it's really funny, right? He, yeah, they tweeted out their support for him, and they said, you know, they basically called Vox liars. 
Right. So the, everybody knows. Yeah, everybody knows. Like, I don't think he's in a position where he has to worry about it because he's friends with the guys who sponsor him. He's friends with Origin PC. They're one of his biggest sponsors. And he makes most of his money on merchandise anyway. So it's not a, really a big deal un, unless they decide to, oh, they're going to take on Shopify or something. But I don't think I don't think they're going to go that far, especially not for PewDiePie, where the evidence against him is so, you know, it's non-existent. I mean, like, what, I'm supposed to be alt-right, so he can't be friends with me? I mean, what, mm -hmm. what is this ridiculousness? Yeah, alt-right is a lot more racially diverse than I would have thought. <laughs> but what I, what I find <laughs> yeah, apparently. interesting is that, like, they're using these tactics against someone like PewDiePie, who, you know, I could imagine if PewDiePie's major fan base was, let's say, uh, I don't know, like, white females who are 35 to 50 years old, maybe these tactics would work because this is the kind of media yep. they consume. Uh, but they're trying to slam someone or smear them in a way where it's like, I think, honestly, a lot of his fans, they're into internet culture, they're savvy, they're smarter than this. But it it's, yeah. it's kind of, I think there's been a pattern established with these people, right? Not only are they going to yeah. try to smear you, but they're going to try to go after your advertisers. You mentioned the Wall Street Journal before. Um, they yep. became essentially infamous for trying to not only smear him as something he's not a racist, but also go after his revenue stream. Now, PewDiePie they, they, isn't... They canceled it. They, can't, right. they, they, got, they went after Maker Studio, which cancels his show, Scare PewDiePie. Right. And thankfully, I think, you know, he has enough of a following on YouTube and with his other revenue streams where he's OK. So, like he's not going to be yeah. destitute. Like, he's fine. I mean, he's making 50 million plus a year, so he's fine. But the issue is the people who work for him, they're screwed. Like there were like 100 people on staff helping him to do uh, Scare PewDiePie. Those people are out of work because of that article. Mm -hmm. And that's not fair to them. They try to go after him and he'll always be rich. He'll always be successful. He'll always have the 76 million people watching him. But the people who work for him or the people associated with him, this is how they attack, right? It's like a multi-pronged attack. If they can't go after him, they go after the people that he cares for. And, mm -hmm. and this is what I see with this article is they're, they're going after all of us. But of course, I think most people don't even know what Vox is. The people who watch PewDiePie, they don't care about what Vox is. They might have heard about it and they might have heard that it's a trashy website. And they're going to click on it just to see what, what the deal is, and they'll follow all those people. Like I, I gained about 500 followers yesterday <laughs> <laughs> because of that article. Streisand yeah. effect, yeah. For Streisand sure. effect, yeah. And I, I, that's a good point. You know, PewDiePie, he's big enough where they can try to take him down all they want. He's going to be doing well. But I think this can start to become a problem if they go after smaller creators, right? If, if you're yes. a creator who's more independent, not as well established as PewDiePie, these attacks, they actually can significantly harm you. Um, we saw recently Sargon of Akkad, who's one of the largest YouTubers in the political sphere and been doing it for a long time. He recently got kicked off of Patreon. Patreon has also um, kicked off Milo Yiannopoulos recently and now, there's a lot of people who That's are... understandable. That was understandable. <laughs> yeah, not not too many uh, Milo fans upset about that. But there, no. there are people... I used to work for him. I used to work for him. It's uh, I don't have any nice things to say about him. Right. Well, there was also <laughs> recently um, his that document that was released that showed that he has yeah. he owes a lot he of money, money to people. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. the thing. So yeah. I guess like him being booted off may actually not have hurt, helped you if you were kind of waiting on him to pay you back. But there's yeah, a... definitely not. Yeah, but I don't expect him to have done that anyway. I mean, he's always been out for himself. But I mean, this is not the Milo podcast, but 
since we're talking about Milo, I can see why they would boot him off. And I think the, the stipulated reason was that he was associating with Richard Spencer or something, right? Mm-hmm. But if you actually look at his Instagram, there's way worse stuff that he's done since then that no one really talks about because they don't pay attention to him anymore that you could actually justify that. I'm not saying it's okay to deplatform people. Like, I don't think it's okay to deplatform uh, Alex Jones, for example, right? Mm-hmm. From his his own website, from, from everything, from, from YouTube, from everything, based on something he said and apologize for in what 2012 yeah. but with with other people there are you know there's like understandable like you probably don't want to platform some guy who's saying uh you know kill Jew- jewish people and and he like legitimately means it right i'm not saying milo said that but like some other like some nazis try to use patreon to get booted off instantly so you know there, there is a there's a boundary i'm not a free speech absolutist like some people expect me to be that way but mm-hmm. i mean if you're actually going out there and you're calling for I don't know, uh, you know, if you're Antifa, for example, or if you're like a fascist, then I don't think you deserve to have a platform like that. Well, I think that's an interesting... I know it's a dangerous talk, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, that's... I, I kind of agree with that. And what's so frustrating to me is that when I talk about deplatforming, I'll, I'll often have people say like, oh, so if there were a Nazi saying this, you'd be all right with them being on the platform. And it's like, that's not what we're talking about. Like, we're not yeah. talking about an, a Nazi. We're talking about someone who's like, you know, classical liberal or maybe a centrist even or heck, center right, but they're just against progressivism. progressivism. That's yeah. a very, very different thing. Exactly. Um, and so I think when people who support independent creators um, on platforms like Patreon, they see them getting kicked off, it, it kind of causes a backlash. And Seamus mm-hmm. from Freedom Tunes, we had him on the other week and we were talking about this. Um, what happens is that people end up canceling their Patreon accounts because of what Patreon is doing. Um, therefore, kind of, you know, other creators that they may have supported are impacted by that as well. Uh, yep. Now, there's this platform subscribe star which a lot of people are now flocking to which a lot of you know i'm i'm on patreon and people have said hey like get off of this and honestly like it's, it's hard for me as a creator to kind of justify wanting to give them mm-hmm. more money when there's a viable alternative of course you know yes. moving is going to cost time and you might lose some people but it's, You'll it's... probably lose 90 percent of your subs like uh, right. mundane matt he lost most of his subs they didn't resub yeah, it was a mistake for him. Yeah, yeah that's really it's it's a hard position to be in as a creator because you want to be like, yeah, I, you know, screw these guys. But also, like, that's how yeah. I get paid. Um, I recently saw that they're now actually starting to go after Subscribestar. There are people now who are going into their finances, right. who the owner is. Why? Why are why are they like this? Why? Why must they not only disagree with them? Why must they not only try to get them kicked off of the established platform, but even go so far as to try and attack the other people who would host them? Mm-hmm. It's like they these people think that if they you want disagree to kill with us. them, yeah. they want to kill us. That, that's literally what they want to do. They want us dead. They don't want us in the public sphere at all. And they will go to any length to destroy us. I know this sounds crazy. It sounds like a bit, you know, like militants, but that is the impression that I get from these people. Like they will, you know, report your channels. They will, they will do anything they can to basically destroy you. They will. I mean, these guys are nuts. I mean, you see them assault people in public, right? Uh, Sargon got assaulted in public mm-hmm. because he was hosting a speech with an objectivist. I mean, they were having a philosophical debate, and and yet, and then these Antifa guys come in and start hitting people. Right, That's and I weird. think, like, yeah. I mean, Jeremy the quartering has gotten assaulted as well. Yep, and That's right. uh, you yes. know, I've been criticized for like I've had debate streams uh with someone like tara mccarthy who was prominent in the alt-right and you know i get people attacking me it's like look i don't agree with these people but at the same time like what is the alternative if not trying to at least change their mind like and again if i were you know 
I wouldn't expect them to have their own channel, like a side mine on CRTV or anything like that. But like, we literally can't just kill these people, <laughs> right? You got, no, I mean, you especially when they're doing their own thing, they have their own platforms and it, it, no one, you know, like the thing that I think that we can all go back to and agree with if we're smart is that if they have bad speech, you can counter it with good speech, right? It's more speech that that fixes it. Silencing them is only going to drive these people underground. If they have really bad ideas, they're going to be driven underground and they're going to be radicalized because it becomes an echo chamber in that place where no one can see what's going on. The like gab is pretty much an echo chamber. I mean, I support what they do, mm -hmm. but it has become an echo chamber. I mean, that one guy who shot up the synagogue, he was on Gab, and he didn't really have anyone saying, hey, buddy, maybe yeah. tone down the uh, the rhetoric a bit. And he just says, you know, after optics, I'm going in, right? And he kills a bunch of people. Right, and that's, that's, that's what's so hard. And there's this new, um, this new, new Twitter alternative called Parlay that I'm trying out now. And honestly, I'm hoping that it doesn't become kind of Gab 2.0, where it's just everyone who gets booted off of Twitter then goes to Gab, because part of what is great but awful about Twitter is the fact that you do have so many progressives on there. Like, that's the point, to be yep. able to talk to people who disagree with you. It'd be like if there was YouTube, but only for people who, you know, dislike social justice. Well, that's, that's no mm -hmm. fun. It kind of defeats the purpose. Now, uh, a lot of people who operate in this, I guess, like political sphere are looking at these things happening, like PewDiePie being attacked, people getting booted off of Patreon, and they're wondering, like, what do we do? How do we survive? So as someone who's like kind of in independent media, what what would you be your recommendation? Like, how are we supposed to navigate this when it seems like anyone whose establishment is trying to take us down? Well, that's a good question. And I think we're still looking for answers yeah. uh, with video games, right? Quartering, he started a fund for exclusively games. It's a new gaming website, and uh, the, it's supposed to be an answer to all the biased, uh, political, politically biased video game websites. And you know, you see it with GameSpot, IGN, Polygon, Kotaku. They're all basically promoting the same progressive message. And like I said, I, I mentioned before, right? They have advertising issues, so all they do is talk about politics because it's the only thing that brings in traffic anymore. So Exclusively Games was founded on Indiegogo. They asked for five thousand dollars. You got one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. I'm one of the editors on it, you know. So uh, there is definitely a demand for it. So we just have to create a, a platform. It's not a if you build it, they will come because I've seen a lot of these sites come and go. They many of them fail because no one is there to drive that traffic. But if you have a, a big voice, someone like Jeremy to quartering or uh, maybe even PewDiePie or Ben Shapiro. I mean, Daily Wire exists, right? And right. Daily Wire exists outside of the Fox News, CNN, MSNBC sphere. And it's reporting stuff that's sometimes contrary to all that stuff. And Breitbart is the same thing. You know, you had Andrew Breitbart found it many, many years ago for that same reason. So there is, there's that, those are definitely viable alternatives. But the thing now is to basically, you know, I think we have to find different ways to get that revenue from, you know, whether it's subscriptions or advertisers who, who trust us not to, you know, we know that they won't leave just because someone sends them an email. Mm -hmm. So that that is the issue right now. We need to basically educate people because the, the, the biggest thing, and I believe this, is that it's the narrative. The narrative is the biggest threat to independent media because they... The mainstream media, that being Vox, CNN, you know, New York Times and all that, they are opposed to us because they're threatened by us. So they create a narrative that makes us basically toxic properties. I mean, I've had a guy call me a force for evil. So I put that in my bio because I thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a pretty good one to have called. Um, but thank you so much yeah. for coming on, sharing your insights. If people want to keep up with what you're doing, where can they find your stuff? Uh, you can find my stuff over on YouTube. I talk about video game commentary. It's youtube.com slash hype break uh you can also follow me on twitter at uh still gray s-d-i-l-l-g-r-a-y 
That's it. Grey Widow 8. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, thank you again so much for coming on and speaking with us. You're welcome. Uh,